0: Poker Zoo. <laughs> you Welcome to the country music version of the Poker Zoo. (laughs) We've had several weeks off, and I had nothing to do but sit around the studio and work up a couple different intros. This one seemed fitting for the laid-back summer barbecue, Corn on the cob vibe that I've been enjoying the last couple weeks. We've also enjoyed increased search engine rankings, so if you do a search for Poker Zoo or The Poker Zoo, we are right up there, number one in Google, so thank you very much for that. Secondly, we have a zoo hotline. If you'd like to call in and leave comments or questions uh, to be aired on the show, it's 410-775-6224. 410-775-6224. We also want to give a special shout out to Deer Poker, who left us a five-star rating on iTunes and a very nice review. Deer Poker, uh, thank you very much for your support. This week for Swadio interviewed the owner or founder of Premium Poker Tools. They talk about how some of the tools work and some of the usefulness thereof, and also some great strategy stuff at the end.
1: Well, welcome back to the Poker Zoo. We've taken a few weeks off, but we're going to try to hit you with a quick double header this coming week. And our first interview is a man that I played with in Vegas. In fact, I've met him there. He is a member on Red Ship. Uh, Welcome to the show, Adam Zerner.
2: Hey, how's it going?
1: It's going well. Um, And you have been at work. We'll get to it, but you are not just a poker player. You are a coder with a poker program, are you not?
2: Yes, correct. Tell us just a bit about that, and then we'll get back to you personally. So, yeah, the program is called Premium Poker Tools. And I always tell people that it's similar to Flopzilla and EquiLab, but that it takes things a couple steps further. So before we get into
1: what it does and how it looks, and by the way, it looks very nice. I'm a complete amateur when it comes to these things. I can't do anything, and I'm going to have Adam guide me through it. Um, which is good I think for people who want to to know what it does but how do you end up doing this what had what got you into poker why why were you playing one two in Vegas with us all? Tell us about yourself as a poker player
2: yeah so it's kind of um I don't know I think it's a little bit of a fun story so let's see if we rewind to kind of college um There's a guy named Paul Graham who wrote an essay called How to Start a Startup, and that got me really interested in startups, and that kind of is what I have my life kind of dedicated to. So uh, fast forward a little bit. I worked as a programmer. Um, I interviewed at Zappos, which is in Vegas, and I met the girl who became my girlfriend. But I took, when I was in Vegas interviewing, I took a job in L.A. That didn't work out. She was in Vegas, so I ended up um, leaving that job and moving to Vegas. And then when I moved to Vegas, I um, I used to play poker when I was a kid, and I figured that I'm going to be living in Vegas for however many years, so I may as well take up poker. So I, at the time, I when I moved to Vegas, I was kind of self-studying computer science, and I wanted a project, and I tried to download Flopzilla because I and and I have a Mac, so I wasn't able to download Flopzilla. So I started building this tool, like basically just for myself and just as a like a project to work on. And I just kind of got really into it. I enjoyed working on it. And at some point, I thought it could be better than Flopzilla and the other apps. So that's when it kind of became a business for me.
1: Well, you know, you can do a lot of things in Vegas. I shouldn't really mention all of them. But why why (laughs) poker? Why did
2: that? What attracts you to the game? There's so many great things about poker. I mean, I think it makes you a better person in a lot of ways. It kind of makes you a stronger person. Like there's just so many kind of lessons from poker that are applicable to life and that kind of draws me to it like you can't be overconfident you know like if if um i don't know you're you think you're so much better than the competition you're playing like a six four suited from like middle position and then poker kind of tells you you're wrong and i think that that's a really good <laughs> thing to <laughs> to be told it kind of helps you apply those things to life so I mean, it's that it's strategic, which is fun. I'm competitive. I used to play it when I was in middle school and high school, so I always kind of had a background in it a little bit. Well, that's that's a good start. Uh, you were
1: you were inclined to do it, in other words, and suddenly you're in Las Vegas. Uh, tell us about the games in Vegas briefly. Uh, we're going to talk mostly today about. Uh, a little bit of strategy in your program, but you must have had a little experience playing around the town. What's what's that all about? How's that going for you?
2: Yeah, so I um, I play 1-2. Like, if I'm playing live, I play 1-2, but I mostly play online. And I just got started playing NL-50, so I've kind of grinded my way up from NL-2, 10 to 20, now up, up to 50. About the games, I think live is very weak. <laughs> I think... I try to compare like what online is to live and I would even argue I think a lot of NL2 games are tougher than live 1-2 games. So I think live 1-2 there's a lot of mistakes being made, a lot of potential if you want to try to beat that game. Online is a lot tougher in my opinion and recently at NL50 I, I've been, um, I don't know, not doing as well as I would like to. So it's definitely given me a challenge. And you have the tools
1: to work on it. Have you um, taken any coaching? Have you read poker books? What's your poker
2: education background? Yeah, so my um, kind of personality, I suppose, is to read a lot of books. So I've read a lot of poker books. And in addition to that, I've spent time on the forums um, reviewing hands. I use my own software to review hands. I use my software to just kind of study like situations. Like the other day, I was studying... Um, If somebody limps and caps their range, can we uh, triple barrel when the board is ace high? So to try to get them off of all their top hairs. So I try to study situations like that. I have some friends that I kind of text with and talk about hands with. There's a poker meetup I go to on Wednesdays. So it's kind of, I don't know, the whole kitchen sink. I do a lot of poker stuff. So you're telling me you're sort of a daredevil. You like to get people off top pair. I do. I, uh, I, <laughs> I'm probably a tight aggressive, but uh, more so on the aggressive side, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> more aggressive than tight. I like it. Okay. That's yeah. probably a, a, a good Vegas uh, quality, too. Um, <laughs> let's let's see here. You mentioned books. So let give us a little bit of dirt. What's the best poker book you've read, and what's the worst?
2: Oh man, um, I'm a huge Ed Miller fan, huge, like, he wrote a book on gambling recently, and I just, I read that book, or, or sorry, sports betting, and I read that book just because I love his writing so much. Like, writing is something that's fun to me, and if he wrote about, I don't know, the most boring thing in the world, I would, I would read his book just because he wrote it, so as far as my favorite, I mean, I think I'd say The Course. That kind of is the book that helps get me over the hump when I was playing, like, Smaller stakes. Um, I liked that book, and the Poker's One Percent book I like a lot too. And the worst book I've read, man, that's a, <laughs> it's putting me on the spot a little bit. I'm trying to think, I'd have to like go through. See, I'm, you
1: can't remember the you. It's like when you see people in the crowd; you don't remember the ugly ones. You remember the good-looking ones. Right,
2: right.
1: That's okay. You don't have to name the worst book. Okay. Well, you can tell me off-air. I know you're you're just shy, <laughs> okay? But I'm eager to get into this tool, not because you don't have other things to say. I'd like to ask more about your Vegas and online experience. But this is important. Uh, yeah. This is this is your work, and I'm here with its creator. So I, foolish, useless computer user, who can barely manage this podcast without assistance, might be able to do something with, with yeah. so. Take, take me through what you've tried here. Give us the overview so we know what's going on, what you're aiming at, and then walk me through uh, some of the things I might do on the
2: program. There's a lot that the program does. So I think if you're, are your listeners familiar with Flopzilla and Equilab, should I, or should I start to give that as a background we have a very
1: poker-fluid
2: audience. They they know all about those.
1: And, in fact, that's going to be some of my questions will be comparison and, and usage questions.
2: So, yeah, it does all of the things that Flopsilla and Equilab do. But, like I said, it takes things a couple steps further. So before the podcast we were talking, um, one of the things about this is that it's a web app. So one of the things you can do is you can create a shareable URL. So if you're studying with a friend, like we have this hand that we're going to go over later in the podcast, you can click Create Shareable URL and you can send your analysis to your friend. And then your friend will click the link and they'll see exactly what you're seeing. So, for example, your friend can see that according to your assumptions, we have 30 percent equity or something. But then they can say, hey, I disagree with your assumptions. I'm going to go click around and change things and simulate. And now, according to my assumptions, you only have 20% equity. So I think that's a really useful feature for studying with friends, which a lot of poker players do. Yeah, I actually agree. That
1: is very useful. And we do tend to study in groups. And we do spend the, tend to spend a lot of time wasting uploading files and sending emails and creating Google share drives and whatnot. So right off the bat, that's, that's pretty nifty. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Take us through some more. I, I see if we, you know, if I go if I go to the homepage of Premium yeah. Poker Tools, you know, you've got a video overview, which, yeah. you know, anyone is free to do. And we'll share the link on the notes to the show. Right. But we've also got some menus, um, equity calculator, hit calculator, and then all tools to sign in. I guess we. it's something that's how we get an account. Tell us all about these features. Tell us about how we join,
2: blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so first of all, let me just say that there's um, a free trial, a 14-day free trial, and there's no credit card information or anything. It's just your email. So anyone who wants to get started can just go to register, get started, and you'll automatically be entered into the free trial. So there's nothing you need to do. So it's really easy to get started. And yeah, so all tools is where basically all of the tools are. And I have eight tools right now, and I'm always building new tools as well. So The Equity Calculator is very similar to Equileb, and the Hit Calculator is very similar to Flopsilla. But then all of these other tools is where Premium Poker Tools starts to take things a couple steps further. Give us a summary of all of them. Yeah, sure. I want to talk about the the 3-bet C-bet Explorer, because that one is kind of my favorite. That's the most recent one that I built, and I'm really excited about it. I've spent some time studying, but I haven't spent as much time as I can. So this tool is about 3-bet bluffing. It kind of looks at the line of you 3-bet as a bluff, and then if they call, you're going to fire a C-bet on every flop. And it kind of looks at the expected value of taking that line according to all of these different assumptions, which you'll see on the left side of the tool.
1: Okay, so let me put you to the test here just a little bit. Yeah, of course. I, earlier today, was looking over some small-bet, 3-bet, Ranges versus under the gun. And I will call up this 3-bet range. Can I copy and paste it? You can try and see what happens. Okay, let's try. Because
2: that's that's the thing that people will want. Yeah, and that's definitely something that I can add. I think it's the 50 part that looks the most incompatible. If the 50 okay. was there. Mixing
1: and splitting is especially important to players in 2019. Okay. Um, so you're going to see a lot of range splits. Okay. They'll, they'll, they'll code like this in both PO Solver and GTO Plus. And that's something, since you're the man, yeah, <laughs> you're going to want to get on. Absolutely. Uh, so let's see. Uh, if I just take out
2: that split, it's going to go in, maybe? I think so. And my app does let you set weights to hand. So if you did want to apply those weights, you can do that. Okay, so we can make it. We just got to do it ourselves at this point yeah okay. this that,
1: looks like normal stuff. beautiful. We've cool. got pink, green, light pastel colors. It's pretty easy on the eyes. Uh, is did I put it in the right spot? Is this the three bet range?
2: So that's actually um this is the range that they are opening, actually. I should have maybe said that earlier. Oh, so right. we're interested in how wide are they opening and then how wide are they continuing. Okay, so we'll just make some stuff up since we know this how this works. And you can use the slider down low if you want to kind of set like a 15 or 20 or whatever.
1: Percent sure. sure, okay. Let's open up. Ooh, perfect. That's a reasonable under-the-gun strategy at about 15%. Yeah. And now we'll go down here and we'll simulate this Closer to 77 or eight percent
2: range by moving the slider So that's actually the percentage of hands that are possible so there's 200 combos selected so it's not seven percent of the 1326 possible. It's okay. of the to yeah Of the 200. okay. Yeah, so there's 18 right now that you have in the bottom right it says 18 of 200. Oh I see.'ve se- We've just selected Aces
1: through Queens. Okay, so if I want to get this to we'll take out King Queen and we'll we're doing this rather tight range here. yeah and where does it, will it tell me what the traditional percentage is rather than the out of 200?
2: Um, no, it doesn't do that actually. So the 200 is refers to what? So that means so they opened with these 200 combos. And now we're selecting what hands they're going to continue with and it's showing that there's 200 possible hands that they can continue with. Oh, I see.
1: Okay. I completely get it now. Okay. All I had to do was read. What range do you think they're
2: continuing with? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, English is, you know, only my first language. So. Uh, (laughs) No, trust me. I've done this with so many people. It's, um, there's all these design articles on the internet that talk about how people don't read. They have like, eye-tree. they just kind of look for things that are appealing. Right. <laughs> so you're not alone.
1: <laughs> all right. So I'm like the kid in the candy shop. I see the colors and I start touching things. Yeah. That's yeah, all yeah. it is. Okay. But now, now that I'm grown up and I can read what range do you think they're four bedding versus your three bet? Well, we can pretty much give them a standard, uh, four bedding range, right?
2: Yeah. That's kind of what I
1: usually go with. And we'll let them have some bluffs with ace-queen off.
2: They're on the tighter side. That's fine. Okay, so now we've set that up. So now let me just give you a quick little overview. There's kind of different categories of questions that it's going to ask. So it's going to try to get a feel for how often we're going to get 4-bet. And it's going to ask us about our follow-up C-bet. And then it's going to ask us about, you know, once in a while when we're 3-bet bluffing, we're going to smash the flop. So it's going to ask us about how much money we're, we expect to get paid when we do hit the flop. Okay. We're going with assumptions, and we're going to be, end up with an
1: output here. Yes. Well, I think we're going to get 4-bet on average more than 1%. So we'll give it a 5% probability. Not only will that represent some very strong hands, but say we have a, a, a regularly tight uh, aggressive player who's capable on the from the big blind since we were
2: talking about the small blind okay so let me just um let me say something about that um what the question's asking is it's not asking like the sum of every, every of every player it's asking like how often does each player for by you and so a 5% range would be pretty wide like if you hover over the question mark it kind of tells you what percentage like, corresponds to different numbers, like they're yeah, that's gold. what I'm expecting. Oh, okay, so you think I've, you
1: I've given right? him, uh, I've given one player left to act rather okay. than multiple players, but but what you're saying is I can compute from other yes. situations,
2: yeah, like if you're in early position
1: or something, yeah, right. So, I could enter three here if I was, you know, uh, I was uh, from the cutoff and I had the button small blind yeah. and big blind to add. I'll stick with one for now. Next, we have a question on C-Bet. What C-Bet size do you want to
2: explore? That's assuming we're called, right? Yeah, so that's like when we get called and when we miss the flop. Okay. Well, we'll have slightly
1: different C-Bet sizings, but in general, we're going to bet about 40% of the pot in most 3-Bet pots. So I enter that. Enter after you do that. And how often are they going to continue? Uh, well, they're going to probably need to continue fairly often. We'll just leave that as a default 50% right now, I guess yes. 40%. Getting paid when you hit,
2: how often do you hit the flop? So if you hover over the question mark, there's some information a little bit about that. It's it's pretty long, I'm sorry. but <laughs> it, Most of the time when you have a non-pocket uh, pair, you'll hit two pair better about 5% of the time. Right, it differs a little bit, but yeah.
1: So we're lucky. So I'm going to increase that percentage to seven, just for grins here. All
2: right, and then just um, click enter after you like it, after you to put it in. Okay. All right. Looks in like reality, it. we'll hit, you know, we'll hit equity is what
1: we'll really be hitting, uh, yeah. not necessarily a made hand. So that number should be higher, but seven right. sounds like a lucky number to start with for right now. Uh, when you hit, how often do you expect to get the first street value? So we're getting very detailed here. This is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, assuming a three-quarter pot bet, but we're not going to bet three quarters.
2: So what does? How does this work? The idea here is that you're going to bet a different size, and it's obviously exploitable. But like, you're you're betting one size when you miss, and one size when you hit. So you're definitely forking. You know, someone smart can figure that out. But that's kind of what the app is assuming.
1: I I find that a little a little odd. I don't think we'll be forking our range necessarily. I guess I don't quite get this function. Should I ignore this section if I'm not going to assume a a three-quarter pot bet?
2: Well, so here it's going to be doing some expected value math for figuring out kind of how much expected value to add when you hit the flop. So if you ignored the section, it would just assume you never get paid anything when you hit the flop. So I don't think we want to ignore it, but...
1: Okay, I I would just say as a poker player, I would need that number to reflect whatever I put my c-bet size is.
2: Okay. Yeah, and I can make that kind of an input and say, like, how big do you want to bet on each street? I kind of have to navigate the trade-offs between having too many inputs and, like, because, like, you want it to be precise and you want control, but at the same time when there's a million questions, it gets to be overwhelming. But that sounds like something that would be worth adding.
1: Well, I think you almost have to. For instance, in a three-bet pot, we won't necessarily be betting three-quarter pot. Uh, Generally, a sizing in a three-quarter, in a three-bet pot, will trend a little bit smaller. Um, So we need to be able to do that. We also need to be able to have a mixed strategy if we want. We need to be able to change this. Now, certainly it's reasonable also that we change our sizings over streets. For instance, a very common a very common line that I would take would be like 25%, 75%, 100%. So that would give me extra value in the program, let's just say, if I could yeah. put oh, that in absolutely. there. Yeah, that's definitely something I can add. Okay, but we'll just run with the assumptions, okay?
2: Okay.
1: Because, yeah. we're gonna, because you're, you're the man and you can always add these things if you want. How often do you get paid the first year of value? Well, certainly 50%. We've already entered that in a sense. How often do you think they're continuing? How often do you expect to get the second street of value? Well, that's going to decline, obviously. We're going to fold out a good portion of the range in a 3-bet pot. So we're going to change this to 30. And on the end, how how often do we get that third street of value? For a 3-quarter pot bet, we'll say 15. What's this question?
2: What EV do you want to compare the 3-bet C-bet line to? So that's kind of like the idea is that if you have a hand at the profitable flat, Let's say flatting is like zero point five um, big lines in EV. You you can enter that here because you want to take the most profitable line that's available to you. But if we're if we have something that we would have folded, which is normally what you your three bed bluffs are, then the EV of folding would be zero. Does that make sense? That makes total sense.
1: Okay. Uh, let's in fact compare it to a fold and leave it at zero. Okay. So what
2: what happens next? <laughs> Now we see on the right side, we see what the expected value is depending on how often they continue versus our 3-bet. So that, okay. that's where we're at right now. And so explain can this graph to me. The y-axis, vertical axis is expected value. Um, and the horizontal is how often they continue versus our 3-bet. And we did in one of the steps above enter how often we think they're continuing, but this kind of helps us. Kind of zoom out and look at different values. So, let's look at one of the data points. So, if they continue twenty percent versus our three bet, if you hover your mouse over that um, dot, it's going to show an EV of maybe like one point seven five or something. That one's fifteen. But if you hover it over to the one to the right, it'll tell you if they continue twenty percent of the time, we're going to have an EV of whatever. And then oh, you true. defend a lot more than then we're gonna be negative EV. And we see where the graphs intersect, that's kind of the break-even percentage.
1: So as their continuance goes up, given our flop expectation of only hitting the flop so little, we start losing right. money. Okay, so we really
2: want folds. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so this kind of tells you what to look for. If you are if you wanna three-bed bluff someone, you wanna ask yourself, how often do they need to be folding? And that's what this graph is kind of telling you.
1: Okay, so this is sort of um, there's something as an RCP member there's a there's a fold equity calculator that's commonly right. used, and this is a more advanced version of that. This is right. rather nice. I, I do think you need to make some of those adjustments I mentioned, but uh, sure. certainly certainly this is a a more detailed uh, and useful version of that fold equity calculator.
2: Do you mind? I just want to. There's one thing that I just always makes me excited. Um, okay. if you go to the part in the c where it asks how often do we think they're continuing. Um, if you play with those numbers and like if you drop them down for, further down, we have them continuing at 50% right now, but let's say what happens when they drop? If we drop it down, to like 40%. So we see the graph change. Look at that. Isn't that crazy?
1: So if they are under defending versus yeah. the 40% percent seabed that we've given them here, we go over yeah. to our graph. And what are we learning
2: here? If they continue at five percent, so we're learning that everything is plus EV basically because they're defending so infrequently. You know, we we kind of almost want them to call pre-flop because we're just going to take it down post-flop. They're folding 75% of the time to a 40% bet. So I like to kind of play with all of these variables and see how do they affect what the graph is going to look like.
1: Yes, this is a very clear representation of the result of an overfolding. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, we see it. The, the graphs don't intersect. The EV of the defender never reaches positive.
2: Yeah, one of the things I like to do with this tool is play, play with all these numbers and not only as a as the aggressor, but you know, if you call someone's three bet, like you can't just fold when you don't make top pair. You have to defend.
1: Very good. This this should should scare all the nits out there. If they yep. if they're this person. <laughs> yep. don't, don't yep. have a little L shape in uh, yeah. Adam's graph. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to bore the listeners with my stumbling through your program. They're going to be able <laughs> to use this better. I hope I've asked asked some reasonable questions. About it, Uh, let's look at one other tool though before we move on. What's one that you'd also like to talk about? Because there's the eight tools uh, in total.
2: The three bet C is the only one that's like free for people who aren't registered. So you'd have to register. I don't know if you want to do that.
1: Well, that actually is a good question because this does uh, look interesting, and it it does look like it needs some development. But certainly, it's uh, something to consider. What is the, the the cost to get involved? What is membership?
2: So it's $5 a month, just flat fee, um, $5 a month. And then that also enables you if you want. There's a $20 refer-a-friend program. So for every friend that you refer, you can make up to $20. And that's going to be two fifty a month um, for up to eight months. Have you run a business before? <laughs> um, <laughs> sort of. I had a startup in, in college that uh, never panned out. I don't know if you'd call that a business or not.
1: It sounds a little... Little uh, Look, your profit margins are going to be slim. I think this is worth more than $5 a month, but that's up
2: to you. Thank (laughs) you. I mean, I plan on having like a premium tier at some point, but I don't know. Right now, I just kind of want to get as many people in the door as I can, and I want to give them a good value. But I agree with you. (laughs) I think it's (laughs) worth more than $5 too. Okay. Uh, Well, let's
1: see. I'll just name the different tools here we've got. Obviously, the equity calculator and the hit calculator. We've got the equity matrix. Just tell us what each of them does. Yeah, instead of
2: them. So the equity matrix, you can kind of see in that picture a little bit. Um, you'll enter a range for your opponent. So, like, let's say that someone um, shoves preflop. I don't know. Like, where we're playing short stacked in a tournament, and they have a seven plus and pocket fours plus. You would enter that range and you would simulate. And the matrix is going to tell you how much equity does each hand have. So how much does pocket aces have? How much does pocket kings? How much does pocket fours have? How much does king, queen, suited have? And it's going to highlight them in green if they meet the equity requirement. And it's going to highlight them in red if they don't.
1: Okay, that's cool. That's something we've seen in other programs, but it's nice to have it wrapped up in here. What is this should you bluff program?
2: Uh, Yeah, so that is very similar to the hit calculator and like Flopzilla. But what it does is it takes you through the decision in a step-by-step process. So it's going to say like, first of all, um, what are your whole cards? Second of all, what do you think their pre-flop range is? Then what's the flop cards? Then what's their range after, you know, you bet the flop and they call and it's going to walk you through this range building process. And then it's kind of give you some information about whether or not you'll have a profitable bluff based on your bet size and based on how often they're continuing. And then it's going to kind of tell you a little bit about taking future streets into account. So, you know, a half pod bluff needs to work 33% to be immediately profitable. But that doesn't take into account, like if you have a flush draw or If you have fold equity on on the next street, for example, that's going to bump that number down. So this tool is just kind of a comprehensive tool about figuring out whether you can bluff.
1: So you're saying, and this would be important to poker players, you're able to determine future street equity in order to arrive at this decision should you bluff.
2: Yeah, so it kind of it, it refers you to the, a different tool, the break-even percentage for bluffing the turn tool. Um, that tool is what lets you kind of calculate exactly what your break-even percentage would be. Okay, so what, what will happen is we'll look ahead, we'll imagine a turn or enter a turn, Yeah.
1: find out that percentage, and then go back to the Should You Bluff program?
2: Yeah, that's kind of how it works. I'd like to integrate them at some point, but right now it's a little bit going back and forth.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think that would be really good. I mean, I get the feeling I, I don't this is no great insight of mine, but I feel like you're building your own poker education here with this. I think so. With this yeah. program. And a, and a lot of players I think at the 1225 level would benefit from this sort of analysis because the the toy game idea of, you know, the immediate bluff just isn't actually that useful. It's oh, it's yeah. useful in the, in the theoretical sense. And low stakes players are rather obsessed. They're rather concerned with this idea that there's some frequency that they have to meet. Mm-hmm. And that's not how the games work. The game is so complex that positions, stacks, ranges all make sort of a melange of equities. Um, and this would be good if you, could, if you could integrate that. You could really help people plan their streets a little bit better. But it sounds like you're on your way.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um let me guess the should you call is a is a related from the other yeah. point of view.
2: Very similar, exactly. So now instead of answering how big are you gonna be bluffing, you're answering like what your pot odds are and it's kind of flips where now they're the ones that are betting and they, you're the ones that are calling. Cool. And we've we've sort of gone over the others.
1: Um, we've hit upon at least uh, a, a small summary of, of the eight tools. Is there anything else you want to say about the program? Where is it going? How many users are, or you know, are you getting feedback? Give me your closing thoughts on before we move on.
2: Um, just one quick thing I want to, I realize I forgot. I'll be quick about it, but. Um, oh, okay. The Should You Bluff and the Should You Call Pages, they have these, these tables that allow you to zoom out and see how you perform against different ranges. For example, um, For the Should You Bluff page, it has, like, if they're folding out weak pair and worse, this is your fold equity. Or if they're middle pair and worse, this is your fold equity. So it's pretty useful to be able to zoom out and just kind of see at a glance, like, against, you know, different ranges, this is how I perform.
1: Yeah, for for the sort of hands-on poker player, you know, the kind who wants to get into not the full vision of the solve, but to, to see how certain situations resolve themselves for someone who liked doug hall's flop falcon i think there's a lot to be said for this program and i hope you continue to develop it and i hope you try to squeeze at least six dollars out of people for it (laughs) Uh, i don't know i don't you don't look like you're greedy enough frankly you created this in a way you mentioned from the top as yeah. a rather nice segue that it was three bets, the idea of three betting that kind of inspired you to create the three bet C bet Explorer. Yes. Uh-huh. And you asked me some questions, I think in Vegas, or you, you wanted to talk about three betting. Yeah. What, yeah, what is it I, that you wanted then, to know about three betting?
2: <laughs> so I played this game with, with you and my impression was that you were really good, first of all, but also that you were three betting a lot. And I, studied three betting a little, and I couldn't come up with a justification to be three betting that much. But just watching, (laughs) I got the impression that I should be doing it more. So I just I wanted to know what goes through your head when you are deciding whether or not to three bet.
1: Okay, well, in a way, I'm doing the mental calculation that you're You know you're trying to do in the should you bluff or the the three bet c bet explorer, and I'm looking at your continuation and my future equity and my chance of winning the pot of increasing my EV. But it all begs the question as to what is a three bet and why do we three bet? Um, Yeah, I think that's what's most confusing for players. Uh, Why are we doing? Why Why does it even happen? The answer lies in what is the basic paradigm of poker. Which is to say, the basic paradigm of poker is that we want to get all in with the nuts (laughs) and we want to get called. Yeah. In other words, the preflop game is all about ace ace and about a bunch, a million other like fake aces. And I'm talking about all our other hands, including king king, because the equity of the preflop hands drops off significantly.
2: Yeah, right.
1: And you can look at this in a lot of different ways, whether you're a database guy, statistically, some players are only profitable with Ace-Ace. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> sad, but it's true. Yeah. And also just hot and cold equity, Ace-Ace just crushes the field.
0: Right.
1: Um, so everything is, in a sense, a substitute for Ace-Ace. But how do we get Ace-Ace all in? How do we create this? Mm-hmm. Do we just, like, move all in? <laughs> right. Well, No. A whole web of activities has to go on, and, and poker players call that a range. But they're all, in a way, substitutes for aces. And I create a range expecting you to respond to my fake aces. Mm-hmm. And let's say we're playing a 100 big blind game. You bought in for that game for 100 big blinds.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, you open, and I 3-bet. <clears throat> and based on the sizings, you could 4-bet. And then I, there would be one more bet, basically. I would be able to five-bet jam and fold out just about everything you have except, you know, maybe 2% of your range. Right. Um, and that's the paradigm of the preflop action. We start with the wide range representing aces. And we look at your open and we say, you know, you just don't continue enough or your range isn't composed right or on the turn you fold, or on the river you fold, or never mind the future streets, just this hand. You know, if I bet to the right sizing, you might fold, you might induce you to, to make a mistake and you know get it in with the wrong hands. But I'm always working with, we are, we are always working with this paradigm of the nuts want to be all in, and we want to have some substitute hands that are bluffs and other value hands Whatever they are that aren't aces, that is the basic reason why we three bet. So, in other words, when I was three betting you so often, I was saying, "What are you going to do about it?"
2: Yeah, right. Um, you had a read that I probably not only me but other players are folding too much.
1: Well, we all do, and you know, and if we don't fold, fold too much, sometimes um, we pay the price. We err on the side of caution, just naturally and strategically. You know, when you look at Five bet ranges for pre-flop solves. You know they're not getting it in real loose either. You know the the computer isn't crazy, and neither should we be. But in a game of you know information, it's really hard to know when to pull the trigger. And I think in a recent game, uh, I think I ripped in like 250 big blinds with Ace Jack because I thought the guy was you know you know, and I was wrong, and <laughs> that's a big loss. You know, and so, if you're willing to be that guy who puts in the third, fourth, and fifth bets, of course, you're playing the game right. You're playing the game with the basic structure of the game, but you also you have some of those big losses that more conservative players uh, don't have. So does that sort of answer the question?
2: Yeah, it does. I mean, I think there's more to get into, but definitely at a high level, I think so. And I remember when we played, there is um, I think it was a woman um you very early on the first like five or ten minutes i think you lost a big pot to someone making a very aggressive play but i like that you that didn't phase you at all (laughs) you know for the rest of the session you were coming after people so i think that that's cool that you you know didn't get discouraged by the big loss
1: yeah um you, you you should you should fire away you shouldn't understand that the chips you put on the table are really they're really kind of lost they're already in the field you know <laughs> yeah. the old the old school players used to talk about them as soldiers yeah well they may not come back um yeah. but if you don't put them to work they certainly won't come back very often at all um so yeah that was that was a fun game and you yourself got into some spots including I- one that we're going to talk about. I think this yeah. is a good time to bring it up, in fact. And, in fact, we're going to use your program to look at it a little bit. Awesome. So, <laughs> so mm-hmm. tell me what this is about. T- tell, tell me about the hand, the spot. Uh, walk us through everything about about the hand that you know and
2: remember. Yeah, gotcha. So, okay, so we're playing this game, and everyone in the game is great players and all that. Um, I opened Ace King off under the gun, um, I go to $10, $10 so it's a 1-2 game, so a big size, but I was under the gun, and I was kind of, I don't know, playing a tight strategy, so I figured maybe I could bump up the, the size a little bit. Um, so I go to 10 and there's a guy in the button who decided to 3-bet me, and I had talked with him before, and he, um, I remember him saying he was a student of Fausto's, and I don't know. I My read on him was that he was willing to 3-bet me, you know, relatively wide. Fair. Yeah. So I decided to 4-bet. And I, I don't know. I don't know if that was the right play or not. But I didn't really want to be pushed around. And I figured that, you know, if I'm going to be 4 betting, like now would be a nice time. So I decided to 4 bet him. And, like, I think he opened to 35, and I went up to, like, 110. And he flapped my 4-bet from the button. Okay. So then the uh, the flop came King, Queen, 8, Rainbow. And, yeah, so I got my top pair. I'm first to act. <laughs> There's 220 or so in the pot. And I decided to check. And I'm not sure what I was doing there. I don't. I don't know. I'm not going to say that that was correct or incorrect. I just decided to check, um, and he checks back. So then the turn I think it came in off suit six, and now this is like where the hand kind of got real again. I don't know what I'm doing, but I check, and
0: <laughs>
2: he here's the the decision point where. I'll tell you what I did, um, and I'll tell you my reasoning and you'll tell me <laughs> if that was correct. So he shoves and I think to myself, when he flats my forebet, he's got a very narrow because, you know, what what kind of hands do you flat a forebet with, especially we weren't like too deep stacked or anything. It's not like he had like implied odds, you know, with stuff. Like, there is a 1-to-1 stack-to-pot ratio, pretty much. Um, So I'm thinking that he's not forbetting me with much. And so I'm thinking that if he did it with the worst pocket pair, like, let's say, pocket 9s or 10s or something like that, um, I don't think that he wants to bet the turn. I think he just wants to check and get the showdown. So then the question is, what bluffs does he have? And I just convinced myself that he's not going to be flatting the 4-bet with, I don't know, Ace-10 suited or Ace-jack suited or something like that. I thought that that would be too weak. So I convinced myself that he didn't have any bluffs, And I folded. And I looked like a hero. He he did show Queens. So, you know, that made me feel good, but it doesn't mean that it was the right play.
1: Right. So, fair enough. But also at least maybe, I'll, I'll weasel out of not answering the question because we get to look at your program, right?
2: Oh, awesome.
1: Yeah. All right. So let me see. Okay, so we see, what are we seeing here? We're seeing the turn, the turn situation. The board is the king of hearts, queen of diamonds, eight of spades, six of clubs. That's in the bottom left hand of the premium yes. poker tools. Uh, on the left hand, we see uh, your range, which yeah. is you were... I'm um, trying to remember the hand history. You're out of position or in position here?
2: I'm out of position. I was under the gun. He was
1: the button. And he was the button. So that's, that makes sense. Um, and the solvers, we tend to put the first player, the in-position player first. Now we see a range that you have assigned. Or Tell us about yes. this this range, And because I do see equity figures, and hopefully there's a few other things going on here. Tell us about what I'm seeing
2: here. Gotcha. So, yeah, after the game, I went into my app and I started to play around to kind of see what I should have done here on the turn, at least. And um, so I put in a range that I think that he might have on the turn when he shoves on me. So you can see these little horizontal bars and those bars are weights. So they indicate... um, basically how frequently is he making this play with various hands so for example pocket aces looks like it has a weight of like 50 and i think i discounted pocket aces because maybe he would have shoved on me um pre-flop or maybe he would have bet the flop after i checked to him so I'm I'm saying that pocket aces are not as frequently in his range as something like queens or eights. I don't know. Maybe he wants to check to check back the flop to get called more widely because he isn't real. He isn't worried that you know that we're going to catch up to him. He's got a really good hand. So on the bar, if I go on say the kings bar, um, I'll,
1: I'll, go, I'll go back to the aces. I see it does take into account that the, your ace is not
2: available to him. So I see. Three combinations of aces. Right. And if you shift click one of those um, cells, you'll get some more information. Well, I see the 50%. Yeah. So if you hover over one of those things, that's going to tell you 50%. Okay. So to get the weight, you go into the cell by clicking on it. Yeah. That's one of the ways. There's a couple others. Oh, there Um, is But point out quickly, this is one of the things that differs between my app and the others is that you can set the weight of an individual combo so if you wanted to say that i don't know like an ace with a heart has a higher weight than an ace with a spade um you can do that whereas i am pretty sure you can't do that in other apps oh that's interesting so you see on the bottom like each individual combo has its own weight bar okay so i could weight exact combos if i thought that was appropriate right exactly okay so i kind of hate these weights myself and you know, th- that's the thing, is that this can't tell you what the right answer is. This is only based on your assumptions. So I kind of threw out some assumptions and said what I think his range would be here. What? It can't give
1: you his exact range? <laughs> How absurd. Uh, why doesn't there's no weight on eights, but it's
2: darkened? What does that mean? So that just means that it's selected. And um yeah, so I basically have eights at like oh, 100%. That means-
1: Okay, Pretty so you cool. think he, in your assumption, basically, I know what you're doing. You're just saying he has some middle
2: pairs that he calls with. You just picked out eights as an so example, a, right? Eights makes a set here, so that's, um, Okay. I'm saying that he, like, yeah, he might have at eights um, pre-flop.
1: Okay, so in other words, in this scenario, all the hands that he also, he, you're only, it's only darkening the ones that he's shoving in this scenario.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that he's shoving. Yeah, this is his shoving range. Right.
1: Because if he calls with pocket eights, he probably calls with pocket nines, but it's right. not shoving. Same. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. You've you've, and you've determined some equity. Is this going to spit out an EV of calling?
2: No, it doesn't do that. It just this is just going to tell you the equity. There's like the should you call page gets into a little bit more depth with those kinds of things, but this one is more of a basic tool.
1: I would connect those two, frankly. Okay. What is the problem for most poker player and their tools is that they have to use a disparate set of tools to do different things. For instance, we don't get to move around combos in the solvers as easily as we do in say Flopzilla. Yeah. And we can't in, in Equilab, we can't do the same things, you know, that we want to do in the other programs. So we sometimes have to use this patchwork quilt of programs. Yeah. Um, And one of the things is that's, that would be really really useful for most for most players is this connection between equity and EV immediately um, and you'll see that in the solvers but you can't manipulate it in the same way you this is a very hands on you know craftsman like tool we're, we're physically doing things and we're not getting an output uh, rec- that's optimal but we right. do need if we did get that EV output i think your program would be um, 100% stronger here awesome. Yeah, well, that's definitely something I can do. Okay, so we can just, you know, look at, we can look at your output, and, uh, you know, we can look at the equity and say, mm, well, we're getting, well, we're getting two to one on this shove, right? Right, right. So we're just under the equity threshold, according, yeah, to, according to my assumptions, yeah. So now, now let's look at the strategy and and, and approach the issue of, of what you should be doing here. Well, for one, you should recognize that once you four bet, Yeah, You are committed here, right? You are calling off if he shoves. Mm -hmm. Okay, now he has called into this uh, stack-to-pot ratio of 1, or he has called into leverage, as we sometimes say. I mean, the Mm -hmm. the die is cast. So if you're going to have any bluffs here, which I think you should, uh, Mm -hmm. they're not going to check. Mm -hmm. They're going to be betting. Yeah. So... The question is, are you betting small here based on the idea that well on Ace King I can fold out his because he's played his hands like it's maybe nines, tens, or jacks.
2: Right, like some and, sort of
1: area. you know, and so a small bet here not only gets value sometimes um yeah. from worse, it also allows you to bluff. Yeah. So there's no, sort easy. of a there's sort of a problem in this idea of well, I'm gonna create a stack to pot ratio that I have to stack off with, right? But not have any bluffs,
2: right?
1: And then not bet right. when I hit my hand because right. I, I'm afraid I can't bluff. So it, it may seem like I'm reversing myself, but I'm I'm rather liking your decision to fold here because I feel like the hand is a little bit misplayed once once we don't bet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now. What are we paying off? If we call, we pay off his aces, which would be traps. We pay off his queens, which are you know a call that he can make, but he really should have shoved on you and should have in the equity parlay should have taken your whole stack here. Yeah. He, he shouldn't really call into a one to one SPR, but he does. That's just his mistake. Right. So I feel like both of you kind of got a little shy in this hand. And, yeah, I think and that you made a very good combinatorial decision, but only in the sense of pure value, because you said, you. well, I expect him to show, show down nines, right. or I, you know, but they don't really have any value here. If you're not bluffing, okay, if you're not betting the flop and saying, well, I have showdown value, I'm not going to bet, that means you're, you leave yourself mostly with value. Yeah. Okay. So the nines can't be good. So the nines can bluff in order to get you to fold your jacks or tens if you're willing to four bet those. Right, right. That's what I was worried about. That he could maybe
2: turn those into a bluff. Right.
1: Yeah. So now I don't know if it'll work immediately, but like if I click on
2: nines here, it um, it you can select it, but it won't simulate because you you would need to be registered for that.
1: Okay, but what's going to happen is your equity is going to go up. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. And Pretty just, yeah. yeah. And if we just give him four combinations of bluffs here, right, we find out that this call was, was break even. Yeah. Um, I think you guys sort of negotiated this hand sort of as a you know, you kind of parlayed your way through it, so to speak. Yeah. And I'm I'm but I I don't think ultimately you can fold this hand. Also, I noticed that you said that he was a student of Faustos. He teaches those players to be rather absurdly aggressive, actually, yeah. um, and be a little bit less calculated than they might otherwise be. So okay. that means we call more, especially after checking. Yeah. Now, I, now, any listener could contradict me and say, well, no, when you check, you're saying you have showdown value and you shouldn't be inclined to bluff. That's always possible, um, The answer to that is, look how close the equities and the prices come up. Like, it's a fold now based on your assumptions, but it's a call with one click of the button of a few combos. In other words, what we're talking about is a very marginal decision. And you strategically have to decide, well, do I have four bet bluffs in my range? Because if I do, I have to bet. That's the only way I capitalize on this pot is by betting. And then if I'm not going to bet Ace King, well, well, what am I waiting for here? Right. Aces, mm-hmm. uh, Queens, myself maybe. Um, so we just have this problem of how we approach our whole range rather than thinking about one hand. Yeah. You did the one hand thing really well, um, okay. but I don't. I don't think the overall strategy is is quite up to par.
2: That's um. That's kind of the next development in kind of my game is that I um. I don't know why, but I'm always reluctant to to take like the range versus range approach. I, But that's something that I need to do better. And I think this is probably a good example.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun when you're playing range versus range, you get to click more buttons too. (laughs)
2: Like,
1: okay, that looks good for me. Bet. Right. You don't have to worry so much. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, this, this has been fun. And it's been great to look through this program, which seems to be quite good. And which seems to need also some massaging, but that's exactly what you're doing now, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh,
1: well, we'll put the uh, contact information in the podcast notes, but you can just tell the listeners now if they're, if they're oh, just listening. Where do you go to find Premium Poker Tools?
2: Yeah, so it's um, a website. You just go to premiumpokertools.com. Um, if you want to do it on your phone, it works on phones as well you know just open up your web browser and go to premiumpokertools.com
1: cool well thank you very much adam any anything else you'd like to add no that's
2: it i just want to thank you for the opportunity and you know i, I learned some good lessons talking to you all right cool well i will sign off for the zoo thanks for listening all right
0: thanks and thank you once again for tuning into the poker zoo you can find us at persuadio.nl or simply type Poker Zoo or The Poker Zoo into your favorite search engine. Also, check out the Zoo Hotline. Call us at 410-775-6224. Leave a comment about the show or a question that you would like Persuadio to answer. Or a barbecue question, maybe I'll answer it. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy your summer. Ribs, pulled pork, whatever your favorite barbecue is, and some fresh corn on the cob. See you next week.